Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we ask if God of War can revive the PS4. Is Call of Duty really ditching its campaign? And what has Spider-Man Homecoming done for Sony and the MCU? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we are back once again with the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly thank you for tuning in each and every week to both our shows, both the Pop Culture Cosmos and, of course, right here at the PCC Multiverse. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the man amid the legend behind Humanica Media. You gotta check out all the great stuff that's going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, its YouTube channel, and of course, all of its audio outlets. It's my good friend, it's Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? Hey, 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 I'm just watching my dog in the corner of the screen (laughs) running around in the background. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm all right. He always likes to be the star of the program, but it's going to be a great show we have for you today. We have Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire talking about all the great trailers that have come out recently, including Deadpool 2, Jurassic Park, Fallen Kingdom, and so much more. He's going on a trailer frenzy and definitely going to be talking a lot about those trailers coming up here in a bit. Plus, Josh and I are going to be talking about a decision that was made in regards to the rumors surrounding the next Call of Duty and also What has Spider-Man Homecoming done for the MCU and Sony? But first, it's not a movie that's going to take the front part of our program right now at the headline. It's actually another Friday release, which is kind of different from the usual Tuesday video game releases. It's another AAA release being put out on Friday. It is God of War by PlayStation coming out this Friday to gamers everywhere, and they are so excited about this game coming out. It has garnered critical acclaim across the board, tens, almost virtually every major outlet. It Everybody seems to be excited for it. It seems to tell a great narrative. But the bigger question I ask you, Josh, with God of War coming out to such high acclaim, can God of War be the catalyst to revive, I guess we probably want to say a sluggish PS4, 
Because we got to admit this, it's actually on the downside of its sales now that it's reached over 70 to 75 million units sold. So now that's on this downside, could God of War actually revive those sales to, and we could see another spike for the PS4 for maybe another year or so because of it? See, I'm torn on this. God of War has gotten very good reviews. Looks great. I, you know, everything I've heard about this game, it's fantastic. They actually took a character that had very few emotions before. He would grunt, chop things up, and sleep with women. And they turned him into a like a, a caring father and a uh, you know just a somber dude and somebody who you actually care about. And just the way that they developed the relationship between him and his son. And also the way they care for the boy's mother and his wife as far as, as what happened to her and, and trying to accommodate her last wish. Right. And, you know, they even just they, they treat the mythology really well because the guy who wrote it was actually I think he said he measured mythology. So that was that's interesting. But, you know, back to your question, do I think that it's going to get people interested in the PlayStation 4? Yeah, sure. Do I think they're going to buy it? No, probably not. It's the, the PlayStation 4 has been out long enough now to where if like a game like Uncharted or horizon zero dawn games like that weren't enough to pull you into the sony family i don't think that another god of war game is going to is it going to be enough to make current owners want to upgrade to like a ps4 pro i think so definitely heck yeah the same reason that like a an xbox one owner would probably upgrade to xbox one x to play a new halo game i think that that has all the potential in the world but it is a god of war game and yes it's getting perfect reviews but you know, as for what effect it's going to have on people just going out and buying PlayStations, I don't think at the moment that it will. Maybe around the holidays, if there's a special bundle, yeah, it could garner some interest. But I don't know, man. Where do you where do you stand on this? Well, I see it as being a catalyst to probably increase sales at least a little bit for a short term spike. Because I I did speak out Retro City Games Facebook page. I asked that very question, and some of the feedback I got was, in fact, that for the first time, people are actually interested in purchasing a PlayStation 4 because of it. I also think that not only this game, but you also got Detroit Becoming Human. You've also got The Last of Us 2, and you still have more solid to very good PlayStation exclusives still on the way that will be supported for the PlayStation 4 before the inevitable PlayStation 5 comes maybe a year-ish, two years, what have you. So it looks like at this point in time, I think it will invigorate and generate sales. I agree with you. I think it's going to be geared more towards the PlayStation 4 Pro than the actual regular PlayStation because I think people will really go and geek out because it is such a beautiful game and such a cinematic wonder for the video game industry as far as the storytelling is concerned. And I know you noted before we went actually on the air here about how amazing it is that for the first time in video game history that it's just basically a one cut all the way, no other cuts going here or left or whatnot, that it's just basically a smooth transition all the way forward as you progress through the game. Is that correct? Yeah, this is a kind of a new thing. Even when the, I don't want to call it, they're not cutscenes per se. Even when like the NPCs, I don't even know if you'd call them NPCs, but when they come on the screen, 
and do their thing it's still one cut like it, it's it's very interesting very very interesting so i i, I want to see it firsthand i've been avoiding god of war reviews and video like the plague so I, i'm ready to just buckle down tomorrow when i get off work and just dive into this masterpiece one last question on god of war i want to hear from you when it comes to its long-term future if it continues to get that kind of support and also as well get those kind of sales that you and I are hoping for for this game because it's doing so well on a critical basis, do you see this as a thing going forward for the God of War series and that uh, maybe a God of War 2 or God of War 3, so to speak, or whatever they're going to call it going forward? More iterations of God of War are now going to be on the table because this game has now garnered so much acclaim. You know, I would hope so. But again, like this is not the God of War that we knew. This is not the Kratos that we played on the PlayStation 2, the Kratos whose journey we finished on the PlayStation 3. This is a, this is a new Kratos. They, this is a new Kratos. He has the past. His past are in those games. But this is a completely new character going on a completely different path this game is supposed to play out like a novel whereas the other games play out like comic books in a way so this this has like a lot of depth and elegance to it whereas the other ones were just kind of visual feasts well i know rob and i back a couple weeks ago in the cosmic crossfire debated over whether we liked this change i personally from someone who has a, such a great affection for the uncharted series see the similarities in what it is trying to do in telling a narrative and the way it's structuring its game. I am wholeheartedly for it. I know he was pretty much against it because he likes the traditional God of War, Kratos, I'm mad at the gods, kill, 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 slash combo, 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 combo that we've seen now on at least more than one occasion. So I'm glad to see it going into a more of a modern sense with a storytelling narrative with an outstanding visual look and and also a great story and a great narrative to to support it as well so i'm definitely excited for that i'm hoping rob will come back around i'm in fact probably going to ask him at some point in time here in the near future about his thoughts now that there's such great acclaim for this version of god of war I'll tell you what this is going to do, though. This is going to prove that there is a demand for single-player story-driven games and also that we're being split up into two factions as far as game players and game developers go. There are going to be game developers who will cater to the uh, the story-driven players, and then there's developers who are going to jump on the bandwagon of multiplayer games, which we will talk about here soon in a second. But yeah, it, it's it's there's there's going to be a division here, and it's going to be you're either one side or the other. It's I'm really excited for the future right now. I am as well, but it also shows that yes, even though everybody is still excited for the next Mario, the next Zelda on Nintendo and the Nintendo Switch, that when a game like this comes out and it's exclusive to a PlayStation Four or an Xbox One, or the PC. But when a game that looks this good, that plays this well, comes out on a platform that, unfortunately, Nintendo can't match at this point, it makes it hard for people to just go ahead and say, I'm going to play the Nintendo Switch exclusively. As we've seen over the past few months, 
that they've been ditching their PlayStation 4 and they've been ditching their Xbox One for exclusivity on the Nintendo Switch. Playing something like God of War, which you cannot play on the Nintendo Switch because the graphics are so realistic and so very well made and and just basically it's the memory and the, and the power of the Nintendo Switch can't support something that, that looks that good. At least it still shows that there is going to be a market for this type of game on a platform and that there is still a need for a platform like the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, even though the Nintendo Switch has become so popular and rightly so. But it, it's great to see that God of War is getting all this acclaim and it definitely shows that there is a future for the PlayStation 4, even though it is on the downside. But if games like this, Detroit Become Human, The Last of Us 2, and and other PlayStation exclusives come out that are at any similar kind of quality to this game, then it's a great sign for PlayStation to be able to extend the life of its own PlayStation 4 and not have to rush out a PlayStation 5 anytime soon. What are your thoughts on God of War? Are you excited about it? Do you really don't care about it? Are you you excited that you have a PlayStation and you're going to be able to get another great exclusive game for it? Does it make you want to get a PlayStation 4 if you don't have one already? Or does it want to make you upgrade to a PlayStation 4 Pro? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, it's going to be a great, great episode we have for you today. We've got a lot on the books to talk about, including trailers galore when I come back with Rob McCallum in the Cosmic Crossfire. All this and more is coming up, but first we've got our good friend Chad and Hyperschmidt, and this is Fighting Eyes, and this is the PCC Multiverse.
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Brink here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh, yeah. That's the Super BS Gamescast, available today on YouTube and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And we are back again with the Cosmic Crossfire. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you sticking around and, and hanging out with us here. But it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Rob McCallum Films. It's my good friend. It's Rob McCallum. What's going on, man? Same old. more Like you say, another day in paradise. But here we are in the snowy paradise of Canada. Happy uh, to be back. Cosmic Crossfire, Pop Culture Cosmos, Pop Culture Multiverse. It's a good day. It's a good time. It's been a good week or so for Pop Culture. And uh, lots to talk about. I do want to give everybody a quick thank you that's been streaming Missing Mom on Amazon for the past 30 days or so. I've had at least one person reach out every single day to tell me what they thought about the film and said that they've rated it five stars. They really appreciate me sharing the, the story and the journey with them. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go to Amazon. If you've got Amazon Prime, you can stream it for free. Give it a shot and rate it five stars. It helps other people discover it. And just looking forward to uh, hearing other stories that people have and sharing, like you said, a new project with people on April 24th that should touch some heartstrings as well and really weave in some nice pop culture vernacular, if you will. Well, I know we're talking about doing something live, both when the Kickstarter kicks off and then also when it winds down. So we'll definitely be posting on the Pop Culture Cosmos and all the Rob McCallum Films outlets when this is going to be happening. You'll be able to talk live to Rob and Jay. We'll be able to coordinate something from there. But Rob, we're here to talk a lot about today about pop culture. So pray tell Rob what's on your mind when it comes to pop culture. First, let's jump into the world of trailers. There's been a lot of trailers that have come out in the last week or so, and I thought it was time that we did a trailer roundup. We usually do this every couple months. Can I ask you something real quick? Can you not name your final trailer as the final trailer? Lately, this has been happening because all of these films that are coming out in May and whatnot, you're saying it's the final trailer. And you know there's going to probably be some edited form of a trailer coming as that movie comes out, whether it's for TV. So technically, it probably will not be the final trailer. It's as bad as those cliche shots that start every trailer with the with the drone going through the mountain peaks and you see the landscape. This is usually a teaser trailer, trailer one, trailer two, and then like the recut TV spot or the extended trailer or the or the Red Band trailer. There's a lot of different trailers these days. And it isn't that much of a countdown as much as they say, the final trailer, the last chance to see it before you see it. If you ever go back into feature filmmaking, please just avoid those tropes on the trailer. I I don't care about the other thing. The first trailer I put out when I I do a feature narrative will be the final trailer. The final, final trailer. Well, actually featuring two minutes of nothing but drone shots over any cityscape that you can choose. How about that? With voiceover of ominous lines that really don't connect. In a world. You did actually see the trailer for this Kickstarter project that is coming up on April 24th. Any thoughts that you can say without saying anything about it? (laughs) Well, exactly. Since I can't really say much about it, I will say this. 
It is obviously something that's going to touch some heartstrings, again, like Missing Mom. And I just am truly glad that that we at Pop Culture Cosmos can do what we can to help you support such a great and, and noble project that you're you're undertaking with this upcoming project. Well, we've been teasing for three weeks now about our next quest. People have been waiting five years for the next quest from Jay Barlett and Rob McCallum, and, and you got a sneak peek of that, so... Anything you want to throw out there about what that next quest is like? There's been a lot of different guesses about what people think this quest could be. Well, I just hope it's going to be a great time for everyone. And I just hope that it actually is going to be something that people will cherish down the road for many years to come, like they have with Nintendo Quest. I, I just hope so. Let's put that lots, lots of hopes. <laughs> lots of high hopes. Other uh, news and trailers, I, I've, I'm going to throw them out there and we can just kind of see what's what. No structure. Jurassic World 2 Fallen Kingdom just had a new trailer drop recently. Deadpool 2 had a new trailer drop recently. What are your thoughts on any of these? But it's also the final trailer for Deadpool 2 as well. So, I mean, that that's what really got me irritated is when I saw that recently. And I'm like, does everybody have to have a final trailer? I will say the Deadpool 2 final trailer looks pretty good i love his shots at both the marvel and dc universe Uh, you know it it just goes without saying the fact that ryan reynolds seems to you know take his persona that he's built over the years and now gets to go crazy with it it's just it makes for a good time whether or not it runs its course we'll have to wait and see but i like the concept it looks good it looks funny i've i've already chuckled a couple times watching the various trailers if it's anywhere near as humorous as the original, they're doing themselves a great favor. But I don't know if it's going to be as well-structured as the first one because the first one got so much critical acclaim. I just think it's really interesting that they're putting a lot of emphasis on Cable as the villain when he's definitely much more of an anti-hero. So we'll see like how much of a antagonistic force he actually ends up being with something like Deadpool. You can't really take anything super serious. So I don't think it's going to be these global stakes on the line where Deadpool and his ragtag group of nobodies, some with or without superpowers have to stop to save like the planet. I think it's going to be much more, Oh, here's the guy that we're trying to stop this time like him or hate him some people like him we don't like him or whatever it is i mean it's all going to be in the approach and the execution and the delivery so it's it's hard to care about anything that you see because you know it's going to be cut down in the in the final the trailer like you can't really invest into anything except for the humor so if the humor is not doing it for you this is not the film for you and then the, also the change in directors because of the creative differences between ryan reynolds and i believe it's tim miller that happened which necessitated a new director stepping in so that's something that will be interesting to see and how much they can keep it as far as the style is close to what everybody seems to be familiar with and seems to be very receptive of obviously seeing the box office receipts from the first movie as well yeah i mean i have no idea where it's going to go i think it's going to have a massive opening weekend but i don't think it's going to have the legs that say black panther has demonstrated or the staying power that uh, infinity war will have i think this is going to do well very much for the the opening midnight screenings the thursday the friday that first weekend and probably have a, a, a modest decent second weekend without too much of a drop 
Because that third weekend, though, Solo comes out. They moved it up a week so they could have two weeks of a buffer before Solo comes out. But they're still going to be competing with Avengers. So I think that there's just, it's going to be hard to, I don't know why they didn't try to release it in January or or something uh, of the or like. Or push it back to July or something like that. Something to give them really a lot more breathing room and, and really just take the landscape to themselves. I don't think you stand a good chance when you have a sequel that's based purely on, on comedy that people see coming this time but you know wish the best of them and as ryan reynolds uh, tweeted you know it's basically a two-hour setup for deadpool 3 so we'll see <laughs> of course he already has that in mind but that's good to see that he does have that sarcasm and wit still about him but even though it, like i said that it might play off too much off the original it, it can't be that much worse than the the original or if it does then if it falls flat that that would be a shame but from what I've seen so far, it looks like it's going to be something very worth watching. What are your thoughts on the new Jurassic World 2 Fallen Kingdom trailer? You've been torn on the JP franchise, the Jurassic World franchise. You know I'm a big advocate, waving that that banner. You will not get on... off that soapbox. You will no, not. No, I will not. I will preach for 65 million more years. What are your thoughts now that we've seen the final trailer for Jurassic World 2 Fallen Kingdom? It is very intriguing and what they want to do with it they've already associated the bad guy as far as that that was actually clearly pointed out in this final trailer so to speak for jurassic park fallen kingdom and they're talking already about a jurassic park 3 already Uh, i noticed that there are already interviews in regards to that and what they want to do and and the shift that they want to take from fallen kingdom so I don't know. It looks kind of obviously it's going to do very well because the first one did amazingly well over a billion and a half dollars. This one should do at least a billion dollars as well. It looks good. It looks very promising. It does have the horror element to it. uh, Something that I know Steven Spielberg, I believe he's still exec producer on it. Oh yeah. And he, and that he, you know, has to have that touch. And obviously, it's centering around Chris Pratt and obviously the dinosaur nickname Blue. So centering around that relationship and just see if that connects with the audience and see if they're going to make it worthwhile for us to want to stay with it throughout the whole two hours. It reminds me a lot of Jurassic Park 2, in which the dinosaurs leave the island and come into society and all the trouble with those two worlds coming together. I'm guessing the opening scene of the film will be those shots we see with all those people surfing. We saw the the Megalodon or whatever, basically on the arc of the wave, which is a really cool visual, right? Like just to see that shadow there, that's super creepy. And that alone seems way more interesting than that shark movie that's coming out called The Meg uh, with Jason Statham. So kudos yeah, to, I, I agree with you on that. Kudos to them for basically using that dinosaur twice and having some really nice cinematic stuff. Because in the first Jurassic World, seeing the seats go down basically like underneath in the tank, like you could imagine at SeaWorld, and seeing the carnage of this thing, very cool idea. Very like something we hadn't seen before. So this is something I think of that same realm. I think this looks creepy and scary. And you know what? They're really playing it up uh, as a monster movie for the first time. It's always had those elements of, scary things out there coming to get you but now this is very much in the forefront here's the creature that's on the loose coming to get you it's the most dangerous creature ever to exist how will you survive 
You know, it's survival first and foremost. And we'll see if, like you said, the relationships between characters, be it dinosaur and dude or, or dude and dudette, are enough to compel us all the way through that. Hopefully that, that they will try and make it out so that there's a good relationship that connects to the audience and, and that Blue is definitely a clever girl. I'm very excited still for Jurassic World uh, Evolution, the uh, console PC game that comes out early June as well, where you get to build your own Jurassic theme park. It's SimCity with dinosaurs, with disasters turned way on. Pretty pumped for it, so it, it should be a nice companion experience to the film when that comes out. And it will surely be a box office hit. I think you can pretty much count on a billion dollars at least at the box office. I'm going to say 850, 850 million. I think because it is so scary, it's going to ward off some of the kids in the family audience that may have went to see the first one. I think this is getting more and more niche. I, I'm saying 850 million. I think it's wow. Gonna, that would that would be almost a 50 percent drop. That would be. Yeah. Even though you know that's first world problems when it comes to the studio's concern, how many movies do you have in your list that can actually generate that type of income? It's well, with, still with would this be this franchise, I think you only get three out of it before you've got to stop for a while anyways. Yeah, that's true. But if you only have three, you better try to maximize your profit and your profit potential in them. And having a 50% drop, which is what you're speculating, it's not the greatest of things. Well, the money will still go in the bank account and a third one will still come out. That's true. If it hits 850, it's still well, but then you're concerned that that will drop 50% as well. I I think the third one would do north of 550. So all all kind of said and told, you're going to, you're looking at over two and a half billion still for three films, which I think if you approached any studio about saying, Hey, if you put out a trilogy, know that you're going to clear two and a half billion dollars. Is that something you'd be interested in? They'd say, of course. True, but the cost would be, yeah, yeah, that's true. It does outweigh the cost still, even at that price, even with the dramatic drops that you're you're speaking of at this point. It's the end game. It's not the it's not the difference makers. It's the end game. Fair enough. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. And we're back once again with the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you sticking around with us and joining the program. And as always, we got to let you know, our shows are being streamed seven days a week on online radio and that we deliver two brand new shows each week covering the latest in pop culture every Monday and Friday to Apple Podcasts and over 30 different podcast networks. All you have to do is just subscribe to any one of these networks on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel to get extra content or just check out the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page for our entire radio station schedule and a list of those podcast networks. 
Josh, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. I know you got a ton of stuff on the way. So please share with us what's going on with your great experience known as Humanica Media. Funny you ask. No, we have a new episode of Topic Eclipse went up yesterday, and I will be posting a new one up uh, this weekend. It's an interview with Chad Smith of Hyperschmidt, our good friend. Well, what do you know? Fancy that. I saw him at NAB last week. He's looking well. He's so excited about all of his future projects. So definitely that's a great thing to get a better breakdown of what's going on with Chad and Hyperschmidt. That's awesome to hear. And uh, there's a new Super BS coming at you on Thursday. And also, you can catch us on the Podcast Radio Network on Tuesday nights. Gerald, go ahead and tell him what time. <laughs> because he's given up trying to guess. It is at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on Tuesday nights. It's Attack of the Humanicans on the Podcast Radio Network, where you can catch our shows, the Pop Culture Cosmos Show on Monday night, and the PCC Multiverse on Friday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And thank you to everyone who listens to us on the Podcast Radio Network. You've made our Pop Culture Cosmos and PCC Multiverse the number one and two shows on the network again for the month of March. And we truly appreciate it as always and cannot thank you enough for doing so. Josh, Call of Duty, man, it never seems to go away for too long in the video game scene. I mean, we've talked about the craze over Fortnite, which is absolutely huge at this time, where you talk about PUBG, which was the originator as far as the game that everybody was talking about first before Fortnite hit it big. We've talked about so many other games. We've talked about God of War, just really on the doorstep of being a great game itself and getting out there and becoming a big hit on its own. The next Call of Duty, rumors abound from Polygon and other sources that the next Call of Duty will not have a standard six to eight hour campaign like pretty much every other version that that has ever come before it and that they're ditching it in favor of more multiplayer stuff, DLC, zombie stuff. Obviously, that's been a very popular mode for them. But also, they are rumored to be now considering adding, you know, here, here it comes, a Battle Royale mode. So I ask you, Josh, are you excited for this change? And are, are you excited for the fact that there is not going to be a campaign as part of the next Call of Duty? Rumored, of course, but it looks like it's a good rumor and, and pretty valid at this point in time. I haven't cared about Call of Duty since Call of Duty 2, but as what I was talking about. There's going to be a divide here where developers are either going to dive full force into the single-player story experience, or they're going to dive into the multiplayer experience. I guarantee you that this non... I don't even know how they're going to call it a Call of Duty Black Ops game without a campaign. It's just going to be Call of Duty Online. That's what They should just call it that. Just call it Call of Duty Online. But it's just... It's, too, it's going to be a game, and it's going to be filled with microtransactions. It's basically going to be Destiny, but without a story for Call of Duty players. You know, we're going to see that more and more now. We're going to see the the shooters try to copy Fortnite, PUBG, and they're going to beat themselves to death. And at the end of the day, Fortnite and PUBG will still be the preferred games of choice. It reminds me of the days when Gears of War came out with the Horde mode and everyone tried to do their own Horde mode. And everyone is like, ah, some were as good some were 
almost as good enough and that but most were just really fell flat on its face and it reminds me so much of that period of time when everyone was trying to be a copycat to what the gears of war series had done with the horde mode and now everybody wants to do a battle royale i know you're playing a battle royale game that wants to be as successful as PUBG and Fortnite right now in the Darwin project. I can imagine it's not going to be as good or or as fulfilling as Fortnite or PUBG, but that leads me into talking about seeing Call of Duty having its own battle royale mode. Maybe even Red Dead Redemption 2 could have one. The next Battlefield could have one. There's so many other, get these AAA games that are now probably going to dip their toes into the water. We've seen this before in the video game industry where there's so much copycatting and it really just takes the air out of everyone's sails. And that might actually end up hurting PUBG and Fortnite as a whole because people would just be so tired of Battle Royale games as a whole because of it. So it's kind of disappointing that's the case and they took it out. It all depends how you look at it in regards to Call of Duty taking out the campaign I will probably say that it is a little bit disappointing for me because some of the Call of Duty campaigns have really been enjoyable to play through. I'm going to name Call of Duty for Modern Warfare as my favorite Call of Duty campaign. That was a pleasure to play through. And I know there's been a few others that are pretty good as well. But like you said, Call of Duty 2 was actually a pretty good campaign to go through from what I remember as well. So I'm not exactly thrilled with this option, but then again, a lot of people just either played through the Call of Duty campaign just once so they could get to the multiplayer, or they just went to the multiplayer and just disregarded it entirely. I know Activision has kept stats on who has actually played through the campaign, and if they've seen diminishing returns on that, then it makes sense to just ditch it out altogether and get right to the multiplayer, the zombies, and and what they're now famous for and what they're now well known for doing at this point in time but going into a battle royale mode i'm not exactly in love with that either i think they should leave it to fortnite or also as well PUBG, unless they can actually bring something new to the table and i'm not sure that they're going to be able to do so final thoughts on that i think it's stupid this is like i don't know man this is like when how like christian production companies see a movie do well and then there's like 50 more christian production companies that make movies and then close up shop six months later this is what we're going to see with these uh multiplayer video game things it's 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 a fad people trying to cash in on the fad and it's going to turn out the fad's not as, as much of a fad as they thought even with a loyal fan base of call of duty if you know, I'm I'm curious, yes, how many people play it for the campaign, but the other Black Ops games seem to have pretty good following, and if people don't like this one, they're just going to go back and keep playing the older entries. The thing that keeps bringing people back to these new Call of Duty games is they're allegedly offering new things. If they're not offering something new here, then they're going to see just how many true fans they have. I agree with you on that, and the declining player base could be something that Activision has really not enjoyed. Over the past few years, they have seen declining numbers, although last year was in a little bit of an uptick for them in that case, as far as people actually coming back to play year in, year out with the latest installments of Call of Duty. 
So this will be a very interesting test if it actually comes to fruition and there is not a campaign, if there will be a backlash, if there is a battle royale mode, if there is a backlash, and if it ultimately hurts or helps Call of Duty by not having a single-player campaign. What are your thoughts on Call of Duty's rumored decision to not include a single-player campaign? Are you with it? Are you not with it? Do you just go straight to the multiplayer and ignore it entirely? Or do you even care that Call of Duty may not have a single-player campaign? Or do you always look forward to playing through once or twice the single-player campaign as a way to de-stress or as a way to go ahead and, and relax maybe before you get into the intensity of fighting in the middle of the either the zombie modes or the, the usual excellent or very good multiplayer modes that Call of Duty has. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Coming up next, Rob McCallum is back talking about Hollywood's newfound interest in mental health issues and mobile as a media platform. This is the PCC Multiverse. Okay, auditions for the new Earth Station Who co-host. Take one, go ahead. Hello, Stonehenge, who takes the Pandora Cup, takes the universe, but, bad news everyone, cause guess who, ha, listen, you lot you're always in about, it's really very distracting, could you all just stay still a minute because I am talking. Not too shabby, can you close this up? Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating over 50 years of the Doctor Who universe, you never know where the TARDIS is going to go next. Earth Station Who podcast can be found at www.earthstationwho.com. Earth Station Who is a proud member of the ESO network. We are up on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Peace and we are done. Did I pass the audition? We'll get back to you. Next. I have one last topic. It's pretty quick and simple. It's more just what you think. And this is uh, observations from uh, MIP TV, which is a global TV and digital TV conference. Uh, they did a keynote wrap up. This was a couple weeks ago. There are two big festivals where distributors go to basically sell content to broadcasters alike around the world. There's one in April and there's one in October. My distributor always goes there, which is why I've been able to get Nintendo Quest and my other films out like I have. And the keynote wrap-up talked about this. The big trends in TV currently are anxiety, depression, and authenticity. What do you think about that? Oh, that they're buying into or that they're trying to sell and that they're trying the, the, to pitch? The, film, the films and series that have these topics are going over well. That's tough to say because now that you've elaborated more carefully on it, um, obviously the success of 13 Reasons Why. Which is the first show that came to my mind too. Which has been extremely polarizing. Just ask Josh Peterson, our fellow host, when it comes to this show, that 13 Reasons Why. Congratulations, he sucks. Yes. Well, well, that book is coming out soon. So definitely uh, that's a lot from the heart there. But also, if you get a chance, read his, his inner thoughts on his battles with various emotions, depressions, whatnot on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com because he has a, a blog he updates every two, three weeks as far as what's going on with him and the, the inner battles that he's going through on a regular basis. Definitely when it comes to things like that, that has been a touchy subject in the past, but 
with 13 Reasons Why and, and other forms of medium that have touched on the subject of recent recent note, that it definitely is something that is now in the forefront of people's minds. Obviously, Hellblades, as soon as Sacrifice, that has done really well. And obviously, that has done a lot positively to bring those type of issues to light. 13 Reasons Why is very polarizing for various reasons within that realm. And it, it definitely looks like something that because of the success of that show that a lot of people are now trying to go ahead and, and cash in on it for better or for worse. Now, if it does lead to a lot of projects that are presented that show it in a positive light, the struggles that we need to go ahead and address and the help that people need in order to try and combat this, that's awesome. But if it does glorify it and, and does bring down and make fun or, or just really just puts everything like that, those, those battles in a, in a bad light, then obviously it's not for the better. But definitely that can happen when, you, like you said, with all those projects being discussed. The other big observation that came out of the keynote was mobile as a medium, like your mobile phone or your, or your tablet, that role has not been quite decided yet and not fully understood. The keynote went on to say it's not quite web, which is fully interactive, and not quite TV, which is lean back and watch through a window. So I thought I'd ask you as we kind of close out, what are your thoughts on the role of mobile? Because it's something we have on the go, but it's not quite something where we need to be fully interactive, but it's stuff where we can actually interact with and watch. You know, it's that weird middle space. As the technology gets more advanced with the mobile market, it's definitely going to become a bigger priority in our lives and obviously something a lot of people and a lot more entities will want to address. I mean, look at the success of Fortnite and PUBG and what did they wanted to go ahead and do? What, what was the, one of the first things that they did once they achieved that success on the PC realm and on console markets? They went straight ahead right into the mobile market built two great games for it and are now doing bang up jobs as far as going ahead and being a massive success on the Android and Apple platforms. So, But does this mean that mobile is just going to be a platform for other content that might work? So if a, if a film or a series works well, then it should be on a mobile kind of strictly only app or a game for that matter. Or is it like, is, is mobile relegated to basically second-class platform as just another destination? Or, there, or is there kinds of content that should be mobile first and everything else second? I mean, I think of stuff like Pokemon Go, but then I kind of lump that into gaming and, and such. So, Well, we've seen know. the first film that was released by Steven Soderbergh that was entirely shot off of an iPhone. Now, the results that came out of it were kind of mixed but that is a starting point for other filmmakers and and other projects such as that and even more to develop networks maybe just straight for mobile you know there's going to be a concentration of mobile and there's going to be a bigger bigger emphasis on mobile because there is so much out there when it comes to the mobile market and the mobile market has now become so dominant I know I discussed it in a recent episode with Josh as far as his concerns for console makers and the console market going belly up because the fact that this younger generation is so focused on mobile entities and mobile properties. So if you're going to have a generation growing up that's basically fixated on mobile properties, tablets, 
phones, what have you, then you're going to need a lot of mediums or you're going to see a lot of mediums actually focusing a lot more attention on it going forward. Yeah, I mean, that that's a whole topic for another show. The next generation and their preferences versus the current guard and, and so on and so forth. But I do think it's interesting that even like the broadcasters and distributors of the world that basically, you know, share and trade uh, content like hockey cards still don't know what to do with the platform maybe compared to their their gaming brethren and how and how they figured out the the free to play model and and that kind of stuff so uh just just food for thought thought I would share since it's part of the space that I'm in but that does it for another episode of the cosmic crossfire with yours truly if you have any questions for Rob on whatever we've talked about or you have a great subject for us to talk about as well send us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Rob McCallum Films on Facebook and also on Twitter. But you can reach Rob as well at Rob McZob. And don't forget, again, he's got a great Kickstarter project coming on April 24th. I know you're excited about this great project you and Jay Bartlett are going to be kicking off real soon. I'm very excited. I'm riddled with anxiety about it because it's if it goes, then it's going to be the next couple of years of my life. And if not, then I got to figure out what's going to happen for the next couple of years of my life. So a lot will happen in the next 30 days that will have uh, prolonging effects. Well, I wish you nothing but the best of success. I hope it does well. Uh, I, I hope it does well indeed. And anything we can do to help you with that hope here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, definitely just ask it. And we're definitely hoping for yeah, you as well. Very hopeful. Very hopeful indeed. Rob, as always, it's been a great pleasure having you on the Cosmic Crossfire and also a great pleasure having you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is again the PCC Multiverse. Thank you so much for sticking around and enjoying the entire program. Want to thank Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire talking about all the great things going on with those trailers and, and so much more. Just truly appreciate him breaking down all that stuff with me. Just want to let you know, next week, it's going to be such a big week. We're so excited for Marvel's Infinity War. It's coming out this time next week, and we're going to be sharing our thoughts on it. Obviously, we're going to finish our Marvel breakdown with Black Panther, but we're, we're obviously going to pay a lot of attention over the next week with our two shows talking about all the great things going on with infinity war i know also as well we're going to be talking a little bit about the walking dead so definitely looking forward to having a special guest on in regards to the not only the last installment of the walking dead but also the future for the series as well and then we're going to be talking a little bit about netflix with tyler baker hopefully as well so definitely got a lot of things on plate for you and cannot wait to have you a part of it Josh, before we head on out, want to just share your thoughts on Spider-Man Homecoming. 
Tom Holland's Spider-Man has become very effective, obviously after his appearance in Civil War and now with, with Homecoming being such a key component going forward for not only the Marvel Cinematic Universe, with him being a major player within that realm, but also leading into other things with a new kind of quote-unquote Spider-Verse with Venom and so many other things, talking about Miles Morales and and so many other things that are going to be exclusive to Sony as it goes forward with its own kind of Spider-Man universe. Your thoughts on what Spider-Man Homecoming did as far as reinvigorate the Spider-Man brand for Sony, but also making himself important and a vital part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, we, we've talked about this in the past. I wasn't a huge fan of Spider-Man Homecoming. And it's not because I don't like Tom Holland. I don't. It's not because I don't like that character. It's because I didn't like the idea of him being so reliant on the Iron Man side of the universe to have a standalone film. You know, and I get that he was trying to like, they're going through the whole like ultimate comics arch where he was being trained on how to be a superhero by Iron Man. But that featured Iron Man. That featured him doing stuff with Iron Man. And this, it was just, he was always just looking for Iron Man or Tony Stark's approval. And that got really annoying to me really fast. Again, like, I really, really loved the Amazing Spider-Man stories. I, not the, the second one, it's meh. I guess I, I kind of went into Spider-Man Homecoming not giving it a, a fair chance originally, just because I really wanted to see how the Amazing Spider-Man was going to play out. And I, I had heard that they offered... I know they offered Andrew Garfield the job of Spider-Man, but he turned him down and then they decided to go a different direction. But I want to see a Spider-Man exist, not be codependent on other heroes in his movies. I like to see them come together. And that's always neat for me, like in the comic books, to see Spider-Man jump into this world with all these other characters. And I like that he's in the MCU, but in his standalone films, I want to see him stand alone. Like I would like to see there's so many good Spider-Man story arcs out there that I hope that they do, but they won't be able to do if they're going to always tie him to other heroes in his films. And that's what I'm afraid they're going to do going forward. And, you know, as for Homecoming, yeah, it was it was a decent movie. I, I didn't, you know, like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of the dependence on Tony Stark and the like the vulture. Uh, everything in that movie seemed a little too convenient. You know, there's not 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 a lot of things were really elaborated on. It's just kind of they use dialogue to tie pieces together. And they messed up the timeline, which was really a boneheaded move. Right, and they messed up the timeline. Uh, Yeah, I I liked it, but I didn't like it. I want to see more out of it as far as their next movies go. And it would be cool, yeah, to eventually see Spider-Man and Venom either team up or fight each other. Everyone forever has always wanted to see Spider-Man take on Carnage. And I don't know if we'll ever get the chance to see that ever. I hope that they, they do because that would sell so many movie tickets it would be absolutely ridiculous because every kid who grew up watching spider-man in the 90s remembers carnage and that would be the end game for spider-man i would i would be completely satisfied never seeing another spider-man movie again if they showed carnage but i ask you gerald how do you feel about this well i will say this that i think they will become less reliant on the MCU with Spider-Man's own movies going forward. I think you'll see less involvement. I think you'll see a sprinkle of it, but I don't think you'll see much more than that. I know Sony wants to, like I said, it goes back to stuff we've talked about about a year ago in regards to this, that 
Sony wanted to just reinvigorate the Spider-Man brand. So what they went ahead and they said they gave the okay to put him in the Civil War. I think after a period of time, you're going to see Spider-Man stand out on his own with his own movies and do what exactly what you want him to do. And that's be pretty much a solo artist within the Sony versions of their Spider-Man films. Now, will he still be a part of the MCU in phase four and going forward? I think you'll, you'll still see appearances by him even beyond what has been rumored to be contracted. So, and even beyond the infinity war that's coming up next week or whatever the infinity war part two movie is going to be called in 2019. I think you're going to see him still a part of that universe because I think it's effective for both parties for him to be included as far as in the MCU with his movies. I think you're going to see less involvement from the MCU. I think that's probably what Sony is going to want going forward and that you're going to see a bigger involvement by individuals within the Spider-Man universe, including what Donald Glover's character in the film also as well. Like I said, Miles Morales, he was mentioned. I think you're going to probably see something emanating from that as well. And I think you eventually will see an, a, a clash or a teaming up with Venom. I really think that at some point in time, Carnage will be used at some point in time. And that hopefully will be something that will meet your satisfaction. Yeah, I hope so. No, I like I, I like having him in the MCU. I like seeing him team up. But I just like on his solo outings, I really just don't want to see other heroes unless it, it serves some kind of purpose. But I don't want him to be reliant, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I think as his character matures more, I think that's exactly what you're going to see. Yeah, well, I hope so. Um, Yeah, we'll have to see what the next one. I'm excited to see his part in Infinity War, and we'll see what the next Spider-Man thing holds. But I, I get why Homecoming exists, because they needed that to kind of elaborate more on that character. So I hope he, I imagine he's going to play a pretty, pretty big role in Infinity War. I definitely believe that as well. And from what we've already seen so far, that he is going to be a great part of the MCU and also Sony Pictures from this point forward. What are your thoughts on Spider-Man Homecoming? Did you enjoy it? Do you really like the fact that Spider-Man is back in Sony's good graces as far as being something that they want to create as far as their own universe? Are you also happy the fact that he's part of the MCU and about ready to possibly even battle Thanos coming up here very soon? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanic Media, Pop Culture Cosmos, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, Josh, it's been another great episode indeed. For those that are downloading as a special treat, just want to let you know we've got a special episode of Topic Topicocalypse covering marvel phase one that's coming up right after the end of this show and josh it's been a great one indeed any last thoughts yeah check out the episode subscribe like comment share get the pcc show just spread throughout the galaxy not just these cosmos but all the cosmos there are just just spread it around spread that love and if you get a chance please just go ahead and subscribe to our channels, Pop Culture Cosmos, and also as well to the Topicocalypse, What About This, and Super BS Gamescast channels. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC 
multiverse. We thank you so much for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome back yeah, we are cool guys. to another episode of Topic Apocalypse, the only podcast on the internet. Um, Take that, Joe Rogan. Yeah, definitely the only one. Yeah, about who our doesn't have who doesn't have a podcast? No, he's only known for Fear Factor and MMA narrating. Um, okay, well, he's pretty good at that. Yeah, he's pretty. pretty I am your host, Josh Peterson, uh, and I'm joined here by Brian Kane, PhD. It's not real. Oh bullshit! Oh, prove it. Um, I'll all right, fight you and, for, I'll fight you on that. Did you hear that last topic? It was pretty real. That was pretty real. <laughs> it was real. Denial, neat nightski. There it is. Well, um, that's like the first time. Well, he didn't get the first name right, but the last name I'll give him. Yeah. Give me a, I, it took two tries that time. Um, all right. As you guys know, uh, there is a little, just a little tiny low budget film coming out with like really not known actors called Avengers Infinity War. Did we forget to mention this is a special, special, special. special. You guys hear that echo? We are actually in a cavern right now. Special, so. special, special, special. Yeah. I, I like how you're actually moving away from the microphone and you're still making your voice <laughs> slower. <laughs> you're breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> that was a programmed uh, drop, Josh. Oh, special. Just, special. <laughs> I just like to talk about what's going on behind the scenes here at top, the Topicocalypse Studios in Hollywood. Um, you guys can send us a, an email or a letter if you want to. What's our address? It's a one two five four Niner. Um, sunset sunset boulevard uh, Beverly thir- Hills nine two one sweet five eighty nine eighty nine not five eighty nine er five eighty nine er yep 
We are actually they yeah. Anyways, so what's the small budget movie we're talking about? Uh, Avengers: <clears throat> Infinity War. Did you guys get a chance oh. to see the trailer for that? Yeah, yeah. You know, it might have gone around a couple times. I think it's gone around a lot. Yeah, nobody really cares about this movie. No one's nope. reacting to it on um, YouTube. As a special topic, apocalypse special part one of three. Part one of three. We are going to be going back and talking about the first three phases of the Marvel Cinematic universe so for those of you who are unfamiliar with that um you know you're like patrick star living under a rock let me enlighten you for a second so did you just try and throw spongebob reference i did because no 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 that's from spongebob okay all right you got to hear me out because spongebob is actually going off the air so thank god this is uh this is like our rest in peace how dare you sir for spongebob um classic episodes but anyways so phase one of the marvel cinematic universe what we're gonna be covering tonight Today, depending on where you are. What movies does that include? Uh, this includes Iron Man. The original. Mm-hmm. The original. The Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. Iron Man 2. Electric Boogaloo. Thor. Captain America, the first Avenger, and the Avengers. So. Okay. These are kind of the uh, the jumping off point for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So they, yep. they did something that DC just did not even care. They just bulldozed straight to the Justice League film. They gave each of their main characters a film before combining them all together well do you well go, sorry buddy and okay so again what i his hands are up these, haven't seen these movies what and, do i do with my hands i don't do my hands right now <laughs> ricky bobby uh event in the first avengers movie did that have black panther in it no okay carry on he was not uh entered into the universe until captain America's civil war phase Two. End of phase two. End of phase two. Yeah. Okay, so on. this, so this series of movies was did not include the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Did not include the Eric Bana Hulk. It started with Iron Man. Yeah. It was, and it was done from scratch. So all the old uh, Marvel films, did just the, gone. Did the people and the powers that be is that Kevin Feige and yes, Kevin. all that did is he. Was he aware that he was going to be making four phases of this giant universe? Or was he like, oh, Iron Man was successful. We thought this was going to be a one-off. And now it's going to be this whole thing. So were they planning it? Or like, oh, the first movie got traction. All right, we got something here. The Hulk movie did. A a lot of people want to forget about that one. But, you know. Yeah. Then with the success of Thor and Iron Man 2 and all that stuff. He was trying to build something. So in the end of Iron Man, or even during Iron Man, they kept hinting at uh, the Avengers. You know, in in the end credits scene, they had uh, uh, Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury saying, hey, we're going to be forming this team. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But any comic book fan knew what that meant. And then, so I think that... He had plans. They definitely had plans. And they actually got so desperate to make these plans happen. Because this is before they were bought by Disney. Right. Um, <laughs> I think they were under Paramount's banner for a while. But they were so desperate to make these movies that they actually went and had a got a contract signed with Universal for The Incredible Hulk. So that's why oh, we wow. haven't seen the Hulk in any solo films. Because Universal owns the solo rights to the Hulk still. I think everyone's okay with that. Yeah, I'm just not really that interested. He tried two times already. Eric Bana, Edward Norton. And it really, like, didn't come to fruition until Iron Man 2 came out. And then, you know, they had that end credit scene with Thor. And I remember being in the theater that day, and I was like, uh, I saw the end credit scene, and everyone's asking, what is that? What is that? And then I I told... um, Yeah, I was like, that's the Hammer of Thor. And everyone in the theater's like, it's Hammer of Thor, it's Hammer of Thor, it's Hammer of Thor. 
Um, you started the gossip. I started the gossip because I'm a nerd. Uh, but yeah, do you, have you guys? So, what? Which of these movies have you guys seen? Have you guys seen any of the Phase One films? Seen all of them. Okay, Daniel. No, nothing. Okay. Um, Wait, which? So it, you had the original Iron, Iron Man. Iron Man was Iron Man three the one where his house got blown up? No, that's Iron. That yes, that was Iron Man three. So then that's Phase Two. I want to say. <laughs> I any of those in. Okay, so Iron Man kind of kicks off the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that was the one film like when they announced they were making that everyone, everybody was surprised because how do you make an Iron Man film work? You know, super, you need a big, you need a big out of this world character. Yeah, yeah, you, and, personality. Uh, and an actor to play him. And a lot of people up until that point, like superhero movies. They were cool, yeah, but they weren't done in a way that was uh, believable. Not believable. I know Superman. I guess the are well, the best but... the best comparison was what was that Christopher Nolan's Batman was the were those coming out right around the same time? Yeah, I think the the Batman Begins was already out. Yeah, because that was like mid two thousands, and then the Dark Knight had to be what two thousand ten or something like that. Right. So the first Batman that was, and everybody loved that, and puts that at such high praise. So that was really the standard for superhero movies. Yeah, because Iron Man was two thousand six. I want to say. Gosh, that's a long time. So yes. many movies have come so out. They're they're wow. Tw- they're twenty movies in right now. Two a year. Yeah. So um, I don't know what what are your thoughts on Iron Man? Like, do you think? I like the old school nature of Iron Man in that it still played Sabbath. It still played Iron Man was 2008. 2008. Yeah, close enough. So it's still playing like that rock music. It felt unique. It didn't feel um, formulaic like the rest of these superhero movies that are coming out now do. It was a little bit less predictable, but in a way this sort of set the pace and sort of it set the formula for the rest of the movies that came out. I loved Iron Man and I loved the first Captain America. Those are both in my top five of the superhero movies. The original, the first Captain America is probably number one. It See, I that's weird because I didn't like, not weird, but like I didn't like the first Captain America until I watched the second Captain America. And then I went back and I appreciated the first one a lot mm-hmm. more. I like that era. So it was a little biased. I just like the era. I like that, you know, that. 40s 50s americana style do you remember when i kill them nazis kill them. uh do you remember when i was in inter- i interviewed you for my one of my journalism projects yeah. about the comic books and you were talking about the uh red red uh, skull red not red skull but the red army era of superman oh yeah yeah, yeah so yeah, and yeah, we were talking yeah, yeah. like how these comic books are kind of a product of their time right you know and even within the marvel cinematic universe you have these factions of uh political beliefs yep so Captain America kind of represents the, uh, I guess, more conservative route. And yeah. then even Iron Man for his first two films, he was actually like said in the movie, I'm tired of the liberal agenda. Yep. And then Captain America. Anti-terrorism. Stuff yeah, like right. That, yeah. And then Captain America's Civil War runs around. All of a sudden his belief system changes. But um, I don't know. What did you feel about all of the movies? Do you feel like. They set a good foundation, or do you feel it was a rocky start after the first Iron Wait, Man? Ro- we're talking about Rocky now. No, Creed. Um, Sorry, I like Apollo. No, I they they did they accomplished what they set out to do, and that's more than we can say for like Sam Raimi's Spider Man trilogy. You know, they yeah they set up a story. Did you see those original Spider Man? Do know? Tobey Maguire saw the first one. Did you like it with Macho Man in it? I like Macho Man, Randy Savage. Boom, saw is ready. <laughs> I like that one. And then I saw parts of... Did you see the one with Paul Giamatti? 
Is the that, Rhino? Oh, Amazing Spider-Man. Hey, I actually... That's not Tobey Maguire. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, oh not, And I saw parts of the emo Spider-Man one. Okay. Venom. That's classic. <laughs> Come over from the oh. eye of Venom. So they, Such a weird scene. They I did a great job, and honestly, a lot of things that connected all these movies together was the like the shield, uh, the post credit scenes, and the shorts that were in between the yep. movies. Um, yep. Do you? Let me ask you this: Do you think that any other movie could have, or any other hero could have been the foundation of the universe besides Iron Man? No, I think Iron Man's your hook to get people interested. He's a big rich billionaire philanthropist playboy i think that's to quote him in the movie um and that's exactly who you need to get people interested because nobody else could be that it's your closest thing to i guess be closest thing to batman right DC. right and bat in batman was so well received yeah so i think D- and, and marvel's option was okay let's go with our version of batman which is tony stark yep yeah um, okay, so let's jump into Incredible Hulk. Um, Incredible Hulk wasn't a huge fan of. I liked how they did the callbacks of uh, to Captain America, mm-hmm. like the Super Soldier Serum. But I love uh, Edward Norton. He was so good, and I hated that there were contract issues with him. Yeah, and uh, you know, just the fact that Universal owned the property made them easy. It made yep. it easier to back out. I don't really like Mark Ruffalo that much. He's fine. He's fine, but he's not like. But I don't think the Hulk is ever a central focal point of the story. Right. Hulk is just sort of the get us out of trouble. Yeah. yeah. So perfect. Hulk smash. Hulk smash, exactly. Um, and then they did have that post credit scene with Robert Downey Jr. saying, hey, we're forming a team. But that was one that could have, you know, it didn't really make sense. Why would he be telling uh, General Ross that they were forming a team? Yeah. I don't know. They were just trying it's, to keep the hype train rolling, I, I, I guess. Think that's, I think they had so much success with Iron Man that they just, we got to keep this train going even if it doesn't. There's no continuity. That's fine. Right. Do now you like the Hulk? Never saw it. No, no, no. Just as a as like a superhero. Not really. What do you like about him? Or her? There's She Hulk. She Hulk's kind of hot. Hulk. The whole uh, getting you know. You think it's just a cop out? Yeah. It's just really easy. Oh, he's really strong and he's kind of indestructible. He's angry. Do you have a favorite superhero? Like growing up, did you have like an action figure or were you like me and you had like your superheroes were from the WWF? That's what my superheroes are. Kane for me because that's the same last name. And you're also Rishiki man. Me. Rikishi, Jackass. Rikishi. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, like I, I liked Wolverine, I think. Like that was. Wolverine, okay. Was, my, you know, just a badass that had. Such a badass. That had knives going Hugh Jackman's the man too. God, with that. he was so good at that character. You see Logan? Uh, I, yeah, Josh. Hey, Daniel, you should watch Logan. It's a great movie. Bastard didn't warn me about the end. Or I was gonna cry my eyes out like a little oh, bitch. So many tears. Well, and, was, well, they showed it in the. I'm like, dude, I don't read the comic books. If you watch, the, so if you watch, the, if you watch that movie out of context, like with the rest of the uh, X Men movies, just by itself, solo, by itself, it wouldn't be that sad to you. But like, as you know, growing up with the X Men movies yeah. and getting attached to Hugh Jackman's character as Logan, I like Sabretooth. And I didn't. And the thing is, like, I never saw the Wolverine. Like, I never saw oh, that. Okay. So I had no idea. That's the best one. I never saw it. That was the one that was like 2013. We saw that. Yeah, we, we did. Big Dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Anyways, back to Marvel Universe. Oh wait, that is Marvel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but so back to the Hulk. I think that was that was the movie that most people will overlook 
and just, yes, it's in there and it's part of the story, but nobody really pays that much attention to right. it. It's probably 20th of 20 on all, of all the Marvel was, films for me. Was there ever... That was the only Hulk movie that came out, right? It was the first one? In the MCU. In there was the in Eric this existence, Hulk yeah. Right, right, right. Before that. Um, okay, next one, Thor. Do, what did you think of that one? That one is one that Natalie did not... Natalie Portman's hot. Natalie Portman I think Triple H is, should have gotten that role. He could have nailed it. Right. The game? Absolutely. Honestly, the man. if he hadn't have played uh, that character so atrociously in Blade 3, I think he probably could have been in the running for that part. Well, he was originally apparently in running for that part, but... I think, it, I think with the quality level actor like Robert Downey Jr., Samuel L. Jackson and stuff that was entered into this series. Had right, they gone right. to Triple H, I feel like it would have been like, oh, this is a callback to hokey superhero right. movies. Okay, I get you. With Go Tobey Maguire. As much as I would love to see, like, as much as I love seeing The Rock successful, the right. Brahma Bowl. Right. It's like the John Much tat- Love. His new tattoo is ugly as hell. I like the old one so much better. I know, right? <laughs> um, Sorry, Rock. I'd still love you, though. One That's thing right. I did not For like. President of 2020. The Hulk, not the Hulk, Thor did not age well. That's one of those ones where you go back and like I... Oh, it, like the animation? Not the animation, but the just story like the and, story. You know, it did not age well. And I... Loki was better in that movie than Thor was. He was, and he out Wasn't Tom Hiddleston supposed to be Thor, and then they liked him so much they made him Loki? I thought I had read a rumor about oh, something that would, like that. That could be That's false, interesting. But, that would be cool. Um... No, I didn't like, like, I, you know, they got Kenneth Branagh, who had been known to direct, like, Shakespearean films. And he oh. d- decided to capture the drama all in Dutch angles, you know, where you have this, the camera turn at an angle. Oh, gotcha. And so that was, like, over half the movie was all Dutch angles. And that eventually, like, there were parts where it, it, it pulled me out. Like, I was not, I was into it for a second. Dan, Denial's laughing. But, but it's... It was so distracting and such an odd cinematography choice that you are taken out of the world for a second and are like, oh, that was an odd choice to make from a cinematography point of view. Right. And here's the thing with the Thor comic books is that like um, Thor Ragnarok, you guys see, did you see it? Nope. Did you see it? No. Okay. And Thor Ragnarok. I'm going to borrow it from uh, Josh Buster. Seriously. I mean, (laughs) you guys can borrow the movies anytime. Um, but there's literally a joke. They got down to the Guardians of the Galaxy formula where there's literally a joke every like two minutes because they need yep. to... And see, Crystal liked Guardians of the Galaxy because of the comedy. Yeah, and that's the thing. Thor is a very dark superhero. His comic books, like I have a whole lot of his comic books and they're very dark. Ragnarok was... It was basically a story about him dying, okay? And they did not Isn't like... Isn't like it him killing his sister or something like that? Yeah, he has Spoiler to kill... Alert. Well, he had... Yeah, his... Alert. Asgard is being destroyed. And that's... And Avengers is assembled. That was the Thor story. Don't Ragnarok. they move it to Oklahoma? Ragnar- they move it to New Mexico. Oh. <laughs> Area 51. Area 51. So it, it's it's supposed to be this dark, tragic story. And they just wanted to fill it with, like comedy you know and i like yeah. thor the dark Jokes. world but like i just i don't think we. but that's need in that. a different that's in a different phase but like right. they just didn't they they wanted to explore that but they didn't want to like there's a hesitancy in the filmmaking because it's see. starting to get big and so they want to get as many people on the train as possible right before it rises up to the top <laughs> of his asshole I, I like how, no i like how every time we make a dirty joke like that can be set up we both turn over to daniel <laughs> looking erect in his seat over there <laughs> brian just keeps going with it and always doing um we did skip iron man too you have any thoughts on that shit there's a reason why you skipped it yeah it was, yeah. It was pretty bad iron um, man 2 for poop 
I, I did, you know. That's like number 19 for me. They needed it to introduce Don Don Cheadle as Cheadle. War Machine. Um, Don Cheadle as War right. Machine. Uh, but honestly, like, it, there's nothing. I think it was very forgettable. It was very forgettable. And I liked how they're trying to make it relevant again by saying that the kid who puts his hand up at the Stark Expo is uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Yeah, that's just a weird callback. Was it actually Tom Holland who played that kid? No, no. Oh, then, but then who Kevin cares? Feige was like, he's in Iron Man too, and they kept showing that scene. And if you go into uh, Spider Man Homecoming, you see the poster on the wall of the Spark Stark Expo. I mean, that's good for continuity's sake, but I don't. I, that doesn't make me appreciate the whole movie more. But you know, and it's fine. So then, after Iron Man two is uh, Captain America, love it. So you like this? Tell me love what you like it. about this movie. I love the scenery. I love the acting. I thought um, this is my second. Those are my favorite. Chris, no Evans. Chris, yeah, not Hemsworth. Um, and then There's three Chris's in the MCU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I love Captain America. Was the one action figure that I had growing up with all my wrestling action figures, okay. and so I have just a nostalgia of Captain America, and it was like. He's just the good guy fighting the bad guy. And it was very simple. But then seeing it played out and it's a really complex story um, and just seeing it. I love that era. Um, I love seeing the cars, everyone in the suits and everything like that. And the old timey mentality. I just I there's something about that that just I was completely immersed in it. See that when seeing those uh, previews, that's what got me like, oh, you know, what? that might be a good movie to watch because of, like you say, the the era, the. Mm-hmm. The cars, the clothing, the right? I just never saw it, but he, yeah, he literally like he's a character who's literally a product of his time. Yep, and yeah, it's like, and you can see them carry that theme on into the following like yep. movies that he's featured, that, and that follows like, him cool. as he becomes representative of the time that's around him, and he's mm-hmm. faced with a struggle at one point in the universe where he, does he have to change his path, and he gets kind of questionable about all that, and the rug gets pulled underneath, and so it's interesting character development. Um, but I like how they started with his kind of origin story straight away. As opposed to if they did it the other way, where it was like, oh, this is him in the modern day. Like they do with Wolverine. Yeah, and then go right, backwards. Right. I feel like this fit him better because people are going to be more on board with kind of like that pure of heart. Mm. He's just a good guy, easy to root for Captain America. And what I like about his character is that there are no uh, no like blurry lines between good and evil for him. Like Wolverine mm-hmm. is a very complex character. Like right. He yep. seems simple, but there's like the line between good and evil. This, or the spectrum, I guess, is like this big. Captain America is just a thin line right yep. here. You're either good or you're not. Yeah. So he's an archetype. Yeah. Yeah. He's just he is it's good, bad, and it's very simple, and that's it makes it relatable. And so the first movie, I would say, even if you're not the biggest fan of superhero movies, it's one worth seeing because it doesn't feel like, oh, he's a superhero, he's gonna conquer everything, but it is that good Trump's evil story. It's like the Rudy. Yeah. Hey, that's a good uh that's a good analogy. Comparison. Yeah. Um all right, I guess last on the list here is the Avengers. Where the the enemy was Loki, right? It was Loki and the Shitari. Shitari. Yeah. Shitari. Um I love that gaming console. <laughs> mm. Hey, they have a new console coming out. I saw that. Yeah. Super dope. Shout out to Up Up Down Down for letting me know that. I like I like the uh the first Avengers. I thought it did a good job of keeping everybody interesting because you're introducing characters like black widow hawkeye nick fury the chick kobe smolders plays nick Col- uh agent that's... phil colson um who's from marvel agents of shield 
or formally. I don't know if he's in it anymore. I stopped watching that two seasons ago. Yeah, <laughs> I just couldn't keep. There's too much, too much going on. Too much Marvel, dude. I just can't. Yeah, exactly. Got, movies only for me. Yep. Um, but you know, I thought it was a good movie. It is the first time where I thought a movie would struggle having so many personalities that everyone's so invested in right. on the screen at the same time. You'd be like, "Oh, it's Iron Man's turn to talk. Oh, now it's Thor's turn to talk. Oh, now it's Nick Fury's turn to talk." Like it felt like it would be so jittery. Mm-hmm. But they did, I think, a great job of keeping it smooth. Everyone had a fair amount of screen time, drove the story forward. I That was probably my favorite Avengers movie more than the last two. Yeah, the character arc distribution, I guess you'd call it, was yeah. is pretty spot on. And I, you know, in, especially with ensemble films, like I hate, absolutely hate like the, the buildup and you have to know like they're going to have a confrontation. There has to be some kind of confrontation before they get over their differences and are able to like... Um, Work as a unit. Fight together, work as a unit. Sure. But they they did it in a way that wasn't obnoxious or annoying. And like the the uh dispute, I guess, when they're in the um the lab uh testing the Loki spear is it's short. You know, it happens in a span of less right. than three minutes. So no one's holding grudges yeah, over. Yeah, they it. give you that. Whereas in like Justice League, the scene literally lasts for like twenty minutes. You're like, I'm just not really into this anymore. In a movie that's already boring. Right, right. And it's super yep. short, like an hour and twenty minutes. But so, on all on the three phases, is the Avengers movie the end of each phase? I think that's how it works, right? The Avengers is the end and the beginning of the next phase. It's the one that moves the story most forward, typically. Well, I guess except the, for Captain America, the Civil War, that moved the story pretty far forward. That Yeah, because uh, phase two, the end of it was Ant-Man. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so they had... Um, so maybe that doesn't follow. So they had Avengers Age of Ultron and then um, Captain America Civil War and then Ant-Man. Mm. But I think Ant-Man was kind of the one that they were taking the the risk on and they didn't know if it was going to pay off or not. I'm glad it did. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. And the, uh, okay, so Avengers did a great job of driving the story forward and it, it compared to the other Avengers films, it's sort of cheesy now, but... Um, you know, it, it's, it's a superhero movie. It's a superhero movie, but it aged well. And you notice that the the ante kept getting taken up in future yep. ensemble films, and it became more more visceral and more right. realistic. It's um, like the Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets in the series, where it's right, like it's right. It's a good story. It's starting to get a little bit more complex, but you're not dealing with these dark, crazy. Uh, themes going throughout the film yeah and then like harry potter uh, prisoner of azkaban was like the turning point the darkness yep. started rolling in whereas voldemort shh, don't I'll say his name I'll yeah, don't say his name phase yeah. two had um uh iron man three was kind of the turning point and you're like okay the the stakes you're are start, high here. starting you're to deal with ptsd that. and all that stuff um yeah. all right cool guys well you can listen to our part two of the mcu breakdown tomorrow tomorrow um all right cool so where can they find us brian kane you can find us on all social medias at instagram facebook and twitter at Topicocalypse. and we're also on podbean.com you can download our episodes and all of our old episodes and like share and subscribe we greatly appreciate it but you can find us at podbean.com itunes apple Podcasts, uh stitcher if you're on uh using an android uh google play podcast.com youtube did i miss anything i think you got it all okay uh dan denial where can they find uh if they want to send us an email where can they send that to topic at gmail.com all right cool guys until next time uh stay frosty heidi and frank
Hey, Josh Peterson here. This episode of Topic Apocalypse is brought to you by the Pop Culture Cosmos. Do you know what I love discussing more than poop knives? Pop culture. And before the Big Bang Theory planted itself on the butthole of pop culture by filling our subculture with crap, I would love I loved going to Comic-Con and talking about movies and video games. And thanks to the Pop Culture Cosmos, my love of all things nerd is rekindled. You can catch the Pop Culture Cosmos podcast on the Podcast Radio Network every Monday night at 10.30 p.m. EST and 7.30 p.m. PST. And the Pop Culture Multiverse show every Friday night at 7 EST and 4 PST.